Anybody else have problems? You know what I'm talking about? Not just challenges, but problems. I had huge problems. And thank goodness that I had a prayer team start praying for me. And my mother started telling me, you're going to church, you're getting saved, that's it. And, uh, and then eventually, my two brothers took me to church. That's another story. But my problems started to get answered. Everybody, we're all surrounded by people right now. have got challenges, got problems. Wherever they are in the world, the world's got challenges going on. And, but they need to hear from you. So can I encourage you? The best thing you can say to people is, I know you've got challenges. I know you've got problems. Come to my church because I'm getting help every week with my problems, my problems and my challenges. And I've been getting help for 42 years, thank God. And uh, so I want to encourage you, be telling people, because people need to know. They don't know where to go. They just go and get drunk. They just go and have another relationship. They just go crazy. And we need to say to people, no, there's an answer and there's hope. And, uh, and wake them up early. Go and get them. Get them out of bed. Arrive with a coffee. And then say, come with me to church in Jesus' name. And, uh, and that's exactly actually what my two brothers did, to be honest. And uh, I ended up in a Christian meeting, heard the gospel, and, uh, and the message, and it, it was 2,000 people were there, and the message, the pastor didn't even realize, he was preaching for me. And it was an, uh, just a life-changing moment when I got saved. And by the way, it was so nice, that pastor who preached the time when I got saved, not knowing that he preached a message for me. And he also said, there's a young man here today, and, uh, and you just had a miracle. I had a prayer team praying for me, and I had a miracle just before I got saved. And it was uh, really supernatural, but I denied it. Because I thought if I acknowledge it, then God might want something, and then my family might want me to be a Christian as well. Anyway, but at the meeting, this pastor goes to me, uh, goes to the crowd. There's a young man who used had a miracle. I turned to my two brothers and said, you two are idiots. Telling my personal business to this guy. And they're like, as if we know the guy with 2,000 people here. And I said, well, how does he know that? Anyway, in the end of that message, because I just was like, I am not becoming a Christian. I'm not going with my, my family. I thought they were religious nutters. I didn't realize this is not a religion. This is the kingdom of God. And it's powerful, and it's supernatural, and it's amazing. Anyway, um, he prayed. He said, uh, right now I'm going to pray for people to be saved. And here's what he said. He said, that young man who's here who had a miracle, which I had had, he said, if you don't get saved today, God's telling me you never will. The moment he said that, I just was like this. I'd never respond to Christ. And when he said that, it was like, oh, it went straight through my heart. And that day I gave my life to Christ and got incredibly saved. And now, can I tell you, the last 42 years of my life has been amazing, been supernatural, still had challenges, still had difficulties. I still live on planet Earth like you. But in the middle of it, God has led me, led Sue, and we just want to give honor to God that he's an amazing supernatural God if you really follow him. And if you get serving in the house of God, the miracle happens when you pick up something in God's house. You start loving some of the children, start loving somebody in the adults, ushering, uh, helping people, serving people. Then the miracle starts happening because you're actually flowing in the body of Christ. And uh, so I've been doing that for 42 years, which is so good. And uh, actually, by the way, too, I rang that pastor's uh, PA one day and said, can you invite him? He's in another country. I want him to come to my church. And, uh, and he came to our church, and I had him in our back room, and I said to him, he's an old man now, and I said, do you ever remember saying in a meeting once that there's a young man here, and you've had a miracle, and today if you don't give your life to Christ, you never will? He, he said to me, I do remember saying that. And I said, have you ever said that before? He said, no, I haven't. I said, I'm the young man pastor. This is my church. I got saved that night. And this man, he was like, oh, my gosh. It was such a touching moment for him. He just thought he had an invitation to a church. But I, I, which he did, but I also wanted to honor him and say thank you for preaching that night and saying what you did because God used it. And here I am today serving the Lord and pastoring churches in Jesus' name. Everybody, God's a miracle worker. We should really clap him one more time. Come on.
Pastor Liam and Lisa, love you both so much. You are amazing. I can't think of better campus pastors for Global Heart Church Zambia uh, than you two. And we do, I just honor you. Sue and I just honor you. We thank God for you. Believe in you. And we are heading into incredible days right now as a church family here in Zambia. And our building's coming on down the line. And uh, it's going to be happening. We're going to start there soon in Jesus' name. And I'm just so thrilled that you guys are the campus pastors here. You're doing a fantastic job, and we love you. Give your pastors a big hand. Give them a huge hand, hey? Come on, a bit better. They're doing an amazing job. Ishmael, all the creative team, come on, let's give them a hand too. And give my son Justin a big hand as well. Who? Uh, come on, give him a big hand. Who I just appreciate and love so much. He's been in my life now for... How many years? Long time, 23 years, but 17, he and I have been walking, and soon I've been walking with Justin in his life from Rwanda to Zambia. So God's a miracle worker. God's a miracle worker. And today, I am right where God wants me to be, here with my family in Zambia, right in the middle of God's will for my life. That's what you need to know, everybody. When you walk with the Lord, you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to, what, how do you want me to serve in church? God says, that's the right question, and I'll position you for your destiny in Jesus' name. My message today, everybody, I've entitled it. Please can I encourage you, open your phone, take a note if you can. It's always, you never know when God's going to say something that's going to change your life from a speaker in church, and uh, especially when dad's in town. <laughs> you never know what's going to be said, what God's going to drop into your spirit. And, uh, and I'm just going to pray for you right now. So Lord, I just pray, Father, let's come around the word. We thank you for the power of your word, Lord. We change by your word. We change forever. We change for eternity. I pray change lives today, Father. Save people. Let people set, be set free by your word. And let every believer, Lord, Father, I today be filled with faith to go forward, Lord, to do great exploits. Thank you, Lord. We are called to do great exploits in Jesus' name. So I pray, Father, new faith, fresh faith, first faith. Let it be in every life today. All to your honor, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been told on my message, faith will make a way. Faith will make a way. Everybody good thinking right now, I'm stuck in life? Well, welcome to my life. <laughs> that was my life. Stuck, broken. My mother's had a breakdown. My father's a shocking alcoholic. My mom's family all rich. She married my dad, who was a drunk, and went against her parents and my, all my uncles, who were wealthy, living in one of the beautiful parts of Sydney in Australia, because my father sang songs to her. Girls, do not marry him because he sings. Marry him because he pays the bills. <laughs> Loves Jesus. Goes to church. And tithes. Because if he robs from God, he'll rob from you. <laughs> you and a man is putting God first with the tithe and offering. Because if he's honoring God, he may just honor you and your children in Jesus' name. So there, girls, I'm here to help. Amen. So... So faith will make a way. And I started out broken, poor, worst place living in Sydney. So many challenges. But the Bible told me, you know, to put your faith on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And when I did that, I, I, I meant it. You need to be a mean it person. Too many Christians are like, you know, I'll say a little prayer and, you know. Maybe Jesus will turn up. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll go to church. Look, you're getting nothing. <laughs> you're getting nothing. Because you've got a mean business with the God of the universe. So when the God of the universe, you hear the gospel, you need to not switch off, get your phone off. You need, you need, to, not, you need to switch on and go, Lord, 
You saved me. You touched me. Many of you are saved already. You touched me. And you need to mean business with God and say, Lord, here I am now. Nowhere else to go. You got nowhere to go. I've been to the clubs. <laughs> I don't know. How do people do clubbing and all that all the time? Oh, my gosh. Bore me out, bore me out of my brain. But in God's kingdom, I'm alive. His purpose, his presence, his power, his wisdom, his victory. But you got to mean business. And so my wife and I, well, I did before we even met. I was like, Lord, okay, your word has changed my life. You touched my heart when I got saved. I felt your supernatural touch. I had a conversation with God was why was he filling me with love? I didn't understand why he would do that. And it was not happening. I was not doing it, but I knew God was saying, I love you, and you're forgiven. And I, kept, I had a three-hour conversation with God saying, why are you doing this? And God, here's what he, he did say to me, because you're responding to me. Everybody, God moves in the response. God moves in the response. God moves when you respond and keep responding. The challenge is when we respond two times, and then we kind of like put God in a familiar box. You don't want to get familiar with God. You want to like treat him, his kingdom, his house, hello, his people, his church. You want to be like careful. Careful what you say, careful what you do, careful what you don't do. And when you are like that, God says, hey, I see you honoring me. I'm going to touch you and use you and you're going to have breakthrough. Faith will make a way. I discovered this too. God has a way of uh, not showing up in your life until it gets smelly. Till it gets really smelly. Anybody ever discover that suddenly God's appearing when it's, things are at their worst? Things are smelly. And we're like, Lord, how did we get here? You know, I think sometimes God knows that we won't actually humble ourselves and respond until we're really at the end. God knows for some of us, you, you got to go down. <laughs> you got you to go down. Because he knows you ain't going to respond till you had enough of smelly problems. And it's amazing how many people will be pride-filled and stubborn to the very end. And some of us go to church every week. We need to say, Lord, help me to humble myself and get soft before you now. But God has a way of waiting and letting till it gets real smelly. Think about uh, this person in the Bible, Lazarus. He's been dead how many days? Four days. And uh, his sisters are like, Jesus, what? Uh, because, you know, remember the story of Mary and Martha? And uh, Jesus said to, Mary, uh, to Martha, hey, Martha, you need to chill out, babe. <laughs> you're, you're doing everything. You're running around, you're cooking. She's on usher. She's on kids. She's on worship team. She's on everything. And uh, there's nothing wrong with serving, but she's like nonstop and out of church. Serve, serve, serve. And then Jesus said, hang on a minute. Mary's actually choosing the better part in that she stopped to worship me. And, uh, and so Mary would have been a little bit, I think, encouraged by that. Do you think you can you see Mary and Martha then? Mary's like, you know, you should be like me, sis. <laughs> Worshipper, worship team. Jesus kind of like lifting her up. Well, the next minute, their brother, Lazarus, dies. He's been dead for four days. And the Bible says Jesus comes along at his own pace. Jesus ain't racing. Jesus is walking to the situation. And the Bible says, and Mary was in the house. Why was that? She was ticked. She's not happy. She's like, hang on a minute. One minute you tell me I'm worshiping, I'm doing good. Now my brother's dead. Where are you? And Jesus like, hang on, hang on. It's cool. He's like, because when I raise him from the dead, according to Jewish law, you have to be dead for three days. When he raises now, they will know that I'm the son of God. And so Jesus 
Lazarus, and by the way, Lazarus stinketh in the King James Bible. He stinketh. He is rotting. He's dead. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus calls him forth and says, come forth, Lazarus. And he rises from the dead before all the people. One of the greatest miracles that we saw in the New Testament. Everybody, Jesus has his own time schedule. He got a time scale for you. But here's what I discover when you're a believer. All you believers, you need to respond quickly. You need to respond quickly. You need to respond quickly. We take too long. We're too long to get our, hang on, Lord, I'll get tithing one decade. And the Lord's like, you know, I'm going to get some miracles to you, but I'm just waiting for you to put me first. You know, when we tithe and give, that that's, that's actually a declaration that Jesus is Lord of our lives. Did you know that? We know whether he's Lord by what we do with our giving. Because tithing in the Bible is an eternal principle from Genesis right through to Revelation. And it's a principle that's actually saying Jesus is Lord of my life or he's not. And if Jesus is not Lord of your finances, I'm going to tell you right now, if he's not Lord of your finances, he is not Lord at all. And so he will pull back until things are getting smelly in your life till you go, Jesus, I need to start putting you first in here of my finances because as I give and as I honor, I'm declaring your lordship. And by the way, the Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. I don't give my tithe to the Lord. I return it. Say that again. I don't give my tithe to the Lord. I'm just returning a tenth to the Lord from my job, from my business, from my pay raise. I'm returning it to the Lord in Jesus' name. So Sue and I, for how many years is that now? Well, together, 39, 40 years, first thing out of our salary, our tithe to the Lord. And we discovered that the Lord is looking after us well, even in the challenging days, the season that seems not much, the season where it seems like there's not much happening. Lord, where is your miracle? God has still got it. And here we are four decades later, and he has brought us through very nicely in Jesus' name. Very nicely. And here we are today with our three, four sons, just as our fourth. Then we've got our two grandsons and our granddaughter. we both from broken homes. God blessed us there. And now we have another grandson on the way in Jesus' name. By the way, I think you need a photo, don't you? Come on, let's, let's mess up this message with a photo. Here we go. You guys got that something up there for me? Come on. Oh, there's my grandbabies there. With me, with my lovely wife, Sue. There is Lara, Joel, oh my gosh, and Micah. Here's Micah who broke his leg. And the hospital put dinosaur a plaster on his leg. How cute is he? Oh, Papa wants to give him a color now. And there's little Lara with it too. Come here. <laughs> oh, blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you very much. I think we're done. We're blessed. We're blessed. You don't know how your blessing is going to come. Some of us just think it's all money. No, no, stable relationships would be good. <laughs> health would be good you don't know i reckon we don't even know what the lord has saved us from you don't even know you were going over the cliff and god said hey i'll just get an angel in there i'll just stop you going over the cliff there i'll just rescue you there when you're walking with the lord and you're like you're genuine with the lord like your your heart aim is to be genuine i think the lord is rescuing all of us from things that we just don't even know about i think some of us some of us right now you'd be in jail You'd be in hospital. <laughs> Actually, quite a few of you'd be in No, I shouldn't say that. You'd be in hospital. You'd be an addict. You'd be crazy. You'd be divorced. 
But Jesus came in and now he's rescued us and he's helping us because, hello, he's the God who loves us. And when you put your faith in him, God starts moving in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, look at this, so powerful. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My faith, it is the substance. Do you know the Bible is telling us, everybody, that faith, it's, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a substance. It's not like air. It's a substance that gets in you. And uh, I want to encourage you. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I read the Bible, but I hear the Bible more on my Bible app because the Bible is saying faith is coming through hearing, hearing, present tense, infinitus. You've got to hear it again, again, and again. And you can't say, I had faith yesterday. You need to hear faith today. You've got to hear the Word of God today, and it gives you faith. And a substance gets in you, and it says, it's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Before we started church in, Sam, in Zambia, I had a substance in me. God wants us to start church in Zambia. And I had a substance, white guy from Perth, it's gonna, God's going to grow the church. God's going to build the church. God's going to add people in. God's going to save people. I told other white people in Perth, they're like, you doing what? You, you say, say what? Are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to Zambia. What for? To start church. Like, <laughs> what? In Zambia? In Africa? Yeah. Don't be put up by the color. On the inside, there's an African needing to get loose. <laughs> They're like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, because God put a substance in me. He gave me faith for Zambia. And then that substance... And that hope is the evidence of the church even before we start the church. So we had an introduction meeting, had a coffee with a few people. Come on, we're going to have an introduction meeting. But already I had in me, church is coming. Church is coming. Church is coming. That substance, that evidence is in me. Church is coming. Then I got land is coming. Land is coming. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming. You're c- it's in me. I got evidence. It's coming. The land's coming. The people are coming. The money for the building's coming. The church is coming. And I have an evidence. Everybody, you need to get the substance on the inside of you. It's the evidence of things. You haven't seen it in the natural, but you've seen it in the spiritual. I saw you before you saw me. Saw you by faith. Saw what God was doing. I began to see you. Everybody, we... We're already doing things in our lives that are faith-filled. We turn on the tap. And most of the time, uh, the water's coming out, and that's an act of faith that it will come out of that tap. Well, I'm doing things that I'm like, Lord, I'm doing that, turning that on, turning that on, because I have the substance in me, which is the evidence of the things I'm hoping for. Lord, I'm going to do that. Everybody, you have to do something. you got to move your hand, boom, for God to anoint it. you got to do something. you got to do something you haven't done before, you got to do it at a new level sometimes. you got to start giving, putting God first in your finances. You want to see God move in your finances. You want that job. you got to put God first in that area to, in order to see the miracles in your life. A lot of people are watching everybody else's miracles. I don't want to watch your miracles. I want mine. <laughs> I'm happy for you. But you want to have your own miracles. You want to have your own story. So that means you got to move your hand and God goes, and you move it, I'll anoint it. When you step out in faith, I'll bless it when it's based on my word and it has an accountability to Christian leaders around you in Jesus' name. 
You know, years ago in the, in the probably about, yeah, it would have been the end of the 80s, early 90s, I took a flight out of Auckland, New Zealand. Today, can I tell you, when you fly, I ain't worried about nothing today. 40, how many years later, today the radar systems on planes, they're just incredible. They're just incredible. But not in the 80s, people. <laughs> when I flew in the 80s out of Australia, the tropical weather, you would hit storms and it would be like, somebody once said this, I really liked it. Flying in the old days was hours of stupefying boredom punctuated with moments of sheer terror. Because <laughs> she didn't know, is this plane going to make it? And I remember I came out of Auckland Airport, going up to Los Angeles. It was late at night. There was all stormy weather in that whole Pacific region. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm just coming out of the bathroom on the plane. And the next minute, that plane threw me up in the air. I got into my seat, was holding on to it. And there was a girl coming down the aisle. And it went again. It was like a roller coaster. And she went up and I grabbed her. And me and the guy next to her were holding on to keep her down as the plane hit a roller coaster thing like this, right? Anyway, the guy who came on to say he was going to be serving food, he was a real blokey bloke, what we say in Australia, a real man's voice. So he came on and said, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Air New Zealand. Going to be serving dinner soon. And I was like, oh, when he came on, I thought, this guy, he sounds like, you know, he's um, a wrestler or something. And he's the, the food guy. Anyway, next minute, the pilot comes on and we're like this. I'm holding the girl and the pilot comes on. And it's one of the first pilots in Australia or New Zealand who's a woman. Now, people, I'm all equal opportunity. But when she came in, she goes, hello, everybody. And I'm like, who the heck is this? She goes, it's Jill, your pilot. I'm like, uh. She's like, we've got this going to be going now for at least the next 10 minutes, everybody. And we'll just see how we go. And I'm like, where's Jim, the guy doing the food? He knew what he was doing. Get him on. <laughs> Get him back. He was like, we're bringing your food out. Got me. And I'm like, I need Jim. Who's this? She's like, we'll just, we'll just see how we get on. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> now, girls, back then she was new. You never heard of female pilot. Now, I don't want to be sexist, but I was panicking. Because <laughs> she wasn't sounding too confident. Anyway, we went. I was like, we were like, hold on. This girl was crying. She's like, so upset. Food's going up everywhere. Anyway, eventually, it actually took longer than 10 minutes. It was like a half hour roll. Eventually, we got out of it. And then it was bumpy, but it wasn't terrible the rest of the way. You know, when it landed in Los Angeles, the Lord gave me a little word, a word of wisdom. Here's the wisdom for today. He said to me, Jared, it didn't matter whether it was Jim or Jill flying the plane. It didn't matter whether it's Jim or Jill, what mattered is that in the midst of the storm, they flew by the instruments, not by the circumstances. I'm sure up the front where the pilot was, she's looking out the window going, well, there's chaos, electrical storm going on. If she had have flown according to the storm, we dead. <laughs> so she had to fly by the instruments. And so we landed safely into Los Angeles. Everybody... You need to fly by the instruments, not by your current storm, not by your current challenges. You need to fly by the instruments of God's word in Jesus' name. It's the instrument. You need to say, hey, I've got to be in the word of God because right now the storm is happening. 
And, uh, and when you do, then you are going to land safely into what God has for you next. And listen, ultimately into your destiny. And if you're a parent, you'll take your children landing safely into their destiny. Why are many Christians not landing in their destiny? Because they still aren't applying the Word of God. They think it's a poem. <laughs> Lovely poem. <laughs> oh, that's a nice story. The Bible is full of history, everybody. Thank God. But the Bible is not meant to be a history book. It's meant to be a book full of truth and faith to fill you with faith. But listen, then you have to apply it. You have to apply it. That pilot didn't just sit there and go, well, look at the instruments. Oh, nice. She's like, press that button, do that, change whatever. You know, it wasn't all automatic to the degree it is now. She was, she was having to fly that plane. you got to take some action and some application. The successful Christian is the one applying what they hear in the Word of God, what they see in the Word of God. you got to apply what you are seeing and hearing. And here is faith again, everybody. Faith is God confidence downloaded to your spirit. If you're walking in faith and you are, you are walking with God and you're like, you've got, you'll get on the inside a confidence that is not from you. God downloaded it to your spirit. I had a faith to start church in Perth. I'm not from Perth in Western Australia. I had faith to start church in London in the UK. I'm not from London. I had faith to come to Zambia, start church. Why? God downloaded the faith to me as I said, Lord... What do you want me to do? Your word is filled me with faith. What do you want me to do, God? And God yeah, goes, actually, thanks for asking because I want you to do that. Because behind your faith is a lot of other people being helped. Behind your decision is a lot of people being helped. Behind your giving is a lot of people being blessed and helped and saved like you. Did you know when I got saved, there were people in church who by faith were giving their tithe, their offering, for people to come in and be saved in that church. So long before I got there, somebody else was giving and tithing and sacrificing. And I'm very grateful for them because I got saved into God's house and was able to be in church because people were giving. Can I just encourage you to be right now in our 8.30 service? We need everybody in Lusaka believing to bring their tithe to the Lord. I'll just tell you this. Uh, our general manager... Uh, Worldwide just gave me an update, and he just let me know that in Zambia right now, our expenses are about two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand kwacha a month. So you got to pay salaries, you got to hire the building, you got to rent this, you got to do that, you got to. There's so many things that churches are doing. So it's about two hundred thousand kwacha a month, fifty thousand dollars, uh, fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand kwacha a week, because angels don't drop out of heaven and feed the staff. <laughs> The, the people we've got on our stuff doing all the work, making it happen. That doesn't happen. They don't drop out of heaven. It happens because we do what Jesus said. Bring your tithe, the whole tithe. Why does God say bring the whole tithe? Because he knows we like to break it up. <laughs> Why does God say bring the whole tithe? Because he knows you like to break it up. Do what you want to do. So he says, no, no, no. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, the local church. There might be food in my house. So there's provision for all that I need to do. Everybody, right now, can I just let you know? Just let you know. We need, we need you to give because I don't have anybody else doing my tithing or giving. I don't have anybody else doing my serving. You don't want to have other people giving, doing your giving, your serving, uh, your loving. You need to be doing that. Because then what happens is you conquer that 
you'll be surprised how down the track God's got you conquer another thing. So uh, Sue and I started doing that for decades, and then God goes, hey, I'm going to get you to, you know, one day buy a house. Going to get you to buy a church building that was worth $2 million, another one worth $3 million. And I'm like, I'm from a broke, busted, disgusted family, right? I'm like, how am I going to do that? God's like, because you've been putting faith in me and trusting me, I'm going to be with you as you step out and do that. So I just want to say, just so you guys know from me, we need you to be tithing. Because right now, there's a shortfall monthly of about 145,000 kwacha. And Perth is picking it up. I want to see our Zambian church flourishing in faith, by faith, through faith, through your giving, where you say, hey, Perth, thanks for the backup. Thanks for helping us. But no, no, we got this now. We got this now. God's with us. Well, job, I got the job. I'm getting a promotion. My business is going. And you are bringing faith to Perth. Because here am I from the broke family, and now I'm bringing faith to people who are wealthy, in actual fact, which is interesting. But I started here. Everybody, we all, it doesn't matter where you start. Many of you started where I started. But it's a decision to put faith and trust in God. So I'm believing that that shortfall, we're going to have everybody in the Global Heart family here in Zambia say, right, I'm going to step up and play my part in Jesus' name. We need you to play your part, everybody. Don't let other people do your serving. Don't let other people do your praying. Don't let other people do your giving. You do it, and then you're going to begin to see the miracles that God has planned for your life. Can somebody say amen? Also, faith, everybody, is a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. Faith is a muscle. You, you start doing tithing, bring your offering to the Lord, you're, you're working out. And then you suddenly are able to believe for something else. Then you're able to believe for that. You'll be able to believe you start growing and you're getting stronger in faith. But if you don't start, you'll never build faith muscle. Faith is a knowing too. Faith is a knowledge others don't have. Faith is a knowledge others don't have. I'm walking around the shopping center, Manda Hill, walking around here. And I'm like, mm, I know things these people don't know. <laughs> I got a knowledge about Zambia. They don't know. Why? Because God's telling me as a senior pastor, planted a church, going to build a church. God's like filling me in. I got a confidence. I got a knowledge. But I'm built muscle now. See, some of you guys need to get started. I'm down here. Come on. I'm Goliath. You just can't see it. <laughs> Not really. But I've come a long way now. So I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. You know, um, it's like God's eternal timeline is pro starts prompting you. And here's what God says. God says, I'm in this. And you're like, I don't know how you're going to be in this. God goes, I'm in this. You're like, God, how are you gonna, how's this going to happen? God goes, I'm in it. We had our church building, our main auditorium, can take up to like six, 700 people. And the building behind us, um, I said to my general manager there, we need to buy this building one day because it's right next to our building. We need for the Bible college, for children. We need more space coming down the pipeline. And he said to me, well, with us buying our first building, listen to this, you can't get that building for two years at least. And I said, hey, uh, we'll just leave it with the Lord. There was no commercial weddings coming on the market as well. There's nothing available. I said, but if that comes on the market behind us, we have to get it. Two weeks later, it's for sale. So I said to my general manager, come out here. He's like, yeah. I go, look up. He goes, oh, no. And I went, oh, yes. <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, we have to get it. Everybody see what I'm talking about, Faith? We have to get it. I just said to you two weeks ago, we need this boot. We have to get it. He's like, I don't know. How you get I said, I don't care. 
Don't bring your flesh to me. <laughs> we have to get it. Keep your flesh to yourself. <laughs> and I, you know, I said politely. But we have to get it. Spoke to some business people, told them this might never come up again. I didn't know there's somebody in our church who, who was a Muslim, got saved just before they joined our church, sitting there serving away, broken down, their business wasn't working. And then they got this business going, and I was encouraging them, encouraging them. I never knew that the answer to that second building was that person who had lunch with me. And down the track, they, uh, it was my birthday, and he and his wife asked me out for, for dinner, and I'm kind of feeling the, the challenge of this building. They gave me a birthday card. I opened it. didn't have my glasses on, which is always bad. And I thought it was a check for $10,000. And I thought, oh, my birthday. Finally, the big ones come in. <laughs> it wasn't for me. He, they said to me, put your check on. I put your glasses on. When I put my glasses on, it was a check for Global Heart Church for one million Australian dollars cash. One million. I nearly passed out. <laughs> and they said to me, we're so happy to give this for the kingdom of God. And I said, you're not nearly as happy as me. <laughs> and we bought that building. But guess what I was saying? And I had other people saying, oh, you can't do it. Oh, you can't do it. Oh, you can't tithe. You can't give. You can't put God first. I had to like, uh, God's eternal timeline was telling me, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm in this. Listen, everybody. The disciples were full of fear, yet they returned full of faith. They were full of fear, returned full of faith. Holy Spirit baptized them. They were filled with faith. You need to get with God. You need to get some God time. Walk around the streets, pray in the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, and let God fill you with faith. Faith evicts fear. There's a woman I love, a missionary lady named Lilius Trotter. She spent 40 years in Algiers in North Africa bringing the gospel. Forty four decades. From a wealthy family in the UK, she goes with two other ladies, doesn't speak Arabic. This is like 100 years ago. And uh, she brings the gospel to Algeria. And I just saw not that long ago on CNN where they said the church in Algeria had grown like tenfold. And I'm thinking nobody even knows her name. But I'd read the story of the original missionaries from England. And Lilith Trotter was this lady. Doesn't get a mention on CNN. She's mentioned in heaven. God knows her name. Went by faith. This is what she said for all of us in the area. Of, like she's talking about... Um, being in a challenge, but her hard attitude. Listen, she said, take the very hardest thing in your life, the place of difficulty, outward or inward, and expect God to triumph gloriously in that very spot. He also can bring your soul into blossom. So she's saying the gospel's blossoming, uh, but also, and what he's doing, but also he can cause your heart and soul to come into blossom when you put him first. She went on and said, believe in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Everybody believe in the darkness, what God has shown you in the light. When you're like, oh my gosh, this is a dark season, a dark situation. She says, you need to believe in the darkness, what God has shown you or told you in the light. And it might just be what he's told you from his word. I love too, one of the ladies she also impacted, there's a lady called Helen Lemmel. Anybody ever heard of Helen Lemmel? Gee, there's some amazing women of God. The guys are good, but the girls, gee, Helen Lemmel was a worship leader. She went, was one of the key ones in America. She went off to Germany. <laughs> she went off to Germany. She married a German uh, worship leader. And while in Germany, she was a known worship leader in America, she started losing her sight. Her husband was devastated. 
She returned to America, and when she returned to America, they ended up uh, separating. Such a sad story. And Helen Lebel went on to become completely blind and wrote 400 songs. Listen to the songs she wrote when she went completely blind after being a worship leader in God's house for years. The song she wrote, some of you will know it well. She wrote the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face. She wrote that song when the lights were out and she'd completely gone blind. Turn, what, Helen, what? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. See, the thing for Helen was she was a woman of faith before that happened. And when it happened, she still had faith and wrote a song. And guess what God did with that song? In her brokenness, in her worst hour, what did God do? He took that song out of the 400 she wrote and it went around the world. And every church around the world, I would say in that day, sang that song and still do today. Faith existed before the Lord, every, before the law. And faith is a common denominator. You can be intellectual and be like so intellectual that you miss God. You miss the supernatural. You miss faith. And then some 17-year-old whippersnapper comes along, just gets saved. And a month later, they're flying along in faith. And we're so intellectual. We're like, well, how's that happening? Why it's happening is because they're putting their faith and their trust in God. It doesn't matter how intellectual you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter about your start. We all have equal access to God through faith in Jesus' name. Can I encourage everybody? You can't live by feelings all the time and see the hand or miracles of God. I can feel feelings. Feelings come to me. God gave me feelings to feel. But... I don't give certain feelings authority. I don't give fear authority in my life. Lord, that fear I give to you, that has having no authority over me. Everybody, give the negative feelings to God. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.6, stir up the gift of God within you. Can I say stir up the gift of faith in you? Stir it up. Take a risk. You've got one life to live. Hello, you've got one life to live. Just look at the person next to you. They're getting older even as you sit next to them. A little bit of eye cream might be helpful in the months ahead. <laughs> oh, whoa. Charles Finney, a willingness to deny self is the very spirit of Christ. Everybody, I, what I do is I'm putting myself under his lordship, saying, Lord, right now, help me to, at times, go through seasons where there's lack with faith. Anybody ever been in a season of lack? I have many times. What I said, Lord, is I'm hanging on to you. I'm holding on to you. Soon I got down to a dollar when I was in Bible college and uh, two pieces of bread. I'm in Bible school. Lord, where's your provision? Next minute I came home and I'm saying to my wife, oh, there's no provision. And my wife said to me, come here. And she's done it multiple hundreds of times. <laughs> she said, there's an envelope in the letterbox. There's money. I went and bought groceries. She looks at me like, oh. <laughs> you want to know who grew my faith? My wife. She's like believing all the time. She's like, what's wrong with you? Slap, slap, slap. <laughs> Girls, you need to give him a little slap. Give that guy a little wake-up call. And so my wife said to me, come on, come on. Not by might, everybody. Zechariah 4 verse 6. Not by your might. It's not by your might. It's not by your intellect. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, don't be put off. Many of us, it scares us when it doesn't make sense to us. Whoever said faith is supposed to make sense to you? Whoever said that? 
we get scared because it doesn't make sense. No, you just need to know it's from God. And by the way, be accountable with other Christians. If you can't tell other people what you're believing for and what you've got down the line and you're doing and you're hiding it for God and people, good luck. Good luck with your private dream. <laughs> you're a danger in the kingdom. I need to say to people, hey, what do you think about this? I feel God saying this to me. What do you think? Because I could have had pizza three times last night. I could have been regurgitating the meat <laughs> and not feeling well and come up with some vision that's not from God. I got to say to people, what do you think? But if it scares you and doesn't make sense to you, don't worry. It may just well be God. The simplest definition of faith is acting upon what you believe. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So act upon what you believe. Listen to this. Sue and I went to London to start what became Hillsong London. It was London Christian Life Center. I get to London in the UK. Our missions budget was, it was small. All right, I go to London and my wife and I are like, let's try and buy a house. I went around where we lived and in the north, north London, it's kind of a middle area. And I said to my wife, these prices on these houses, this is insane. It was 1992. What are these, these people are crazy. Well, now they're even 10 times more crazy. But anyway, I was saying to my wife, I'm crazy. I went and looked everywhere. Listen. We prayed together, and I said to my wife, I'm going to go, and I'm going to find a house. Well, I went, <laughs> and by the ninth house, I was like, well, there ain't no way we're getting a house here. Then I and I started out full of faith, and I came back, and I said to Sue, I see nine houses. There is nothing we can get. And then my wife goes to me, I just saw one while you're out in this street near the boys' school. She goes, ten's a great number. I was like... Go yourself. My wife's like, no, no, I go to the boys. You need to go again. I like that street. It's near their school. It's only a little house, but go there. I'm like, I went, you know, full of faith, trusting my wife. Knocked on the door with an attitude. And the real estate guy's there. He's like, oh, come in, come in. I go in. I went inside. I went in the kitchen. I went, this is my wife's kitchen. When I walked in that kitchen... The Holy Spirit filled me with fresh faith. And I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, this is Sue's kitchen. So I turn to this guy. He's all dressed up. You know, the British are all dressed up. And he's got the suit on. He's so posh. And then he says, so, Mr. Keaton, what would you like to offer? And I told him the amount. And he goes, <laughs> you Australians are so cute. I'm like, bro, I'm not being cute. He's like, what did you want to offer, Mr. Keaton? I told him again. He goes, <laughs> You're such funny people down under there, those criminals down there, you prisoners. And I'm like, yeah, mate, whatever. So I'm like, no, I went off it. Ring the guy. He says, I'm not ringing the guy. He's just getting angry with me. I said, listen, I'm the buyer. You're the middle guy. Ring the person. He says, I'm not ringing them. So I said, okay, I'm going to wait here till you ring them. So he's like getting mad with me. He goes, all right. He rings the guy. And the guy goes, he says, he said no. So I thought, right, I'll put up a couple of hundred more pounds. He goes, oh, I said, ring him again. Put a couple of hundred pounds in the guy, rings in the guy. He said, oh, he said no again. So now the guy's, we're real titchy moment, right? And I thought, no, this is Sue's kitchen. So I went three more times. He was mad with me. And the third time I see him on the phone go, okay, all right. And he turns to me and he said, 
she said yes. And I went, hallelujah. <laughs> I, came, I came and said to my wife, we have a house. And you were right again. Anyway, <laughs> number 10, and that was it. And I bought the house, and I said to Sue, just before I signed the contract, come around here. And I said, walk in this kitchen. She walks in, she goes, oh, it feels like my kitchen. I said exactly the same thing. Everybody, you got one life. It's short. You need to start living by faith. You need to start trusting God. You need to start acting on what you believe. You need to start stepping out. I love it. Hebrews 11 talks about the men and women of God. They saw the promises of God, but they didn't see them all. But they knew they were aliens and strangers passing through. They were looking for a heavenly country. They were on a journey to where God was calling them. But they were like taking great steps of faith on the way. Everyone, don't stop now. 